the Better Brew Podcast. Calling all business owners, busy bees, and wannabes. If you're here, you're in the right place. I'm Stephanie Huffman, owner of Bosco, Bailey, a business, and a bursa. Each week, I'll take you behind the barista bar and share with you the recipes for juggling the lattes of life while looking for that perfect blend. Welcome to the best 20 minutes of your week. Now let's get down to business. The Better Brew Podcast was started for people like you and me. We're trying to run a business, a home, and a life. Contrary to what some people might think, it's not easy, and sometimes we're just faking it as we're trying to juggle all of those plates. Well, in our last episode, if you were able to join us, we began part one of three interviewing, yes, it's true, astronaut Ray Seddon. I had the opportunity to ask her questions she doesn't ever get asked. Life after NASA. What did she do and what was it like? If you've already heard part one, you know that I asked Ray to stick around so that we could continue the conversation. So we're going to pick right back up where we left off. Are you ready? Here we go. Well, welcome, Dr. Seddon. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. So in our last episode, we talked about you as an entrepreneur, basically your life after NASA. This week, I want to go back to your NASA days. You wake up one morning, you're no longer a surgeon in residence, you're an astronaut, you're a public figure. Then suddenly you're a wife, and then you're a mom juggling training for flights and juggling the flights of your husband. Did you bring in help? How did you do it all? Because I know you, you cook, you clean, you do everything, usually yourself. Well, you know, um, I was lucky when I went to NASA. Um, had my children, it became obvious to me that I couldn't do my work unless I had some help. My husband was incredibly busy as I was. And, you know, I thought I can outsource part of this. Um, You know, my my son went to um, a daycare center. And when both my husband and I had to be out of town, we had to find somebody to babysit. And I made use of all of those wonderful daycare uh, young ladies that wanted some extra money to come and stay with my child. And, you know, as we went along, um, when the second child came along, things were just, I knew we we're going to be nuts trying to, you know, to do a baby, um, um, a youngster. Uh, and, you know, I told my husband, we need to find a, uh, a live-in housekeeper. He said, no, we don't want anybody living in my house. So I said, we're going to do this. And we disagreed. And we found a wonderful uh, woman who uh, a friend of mine brought to my doorstep. And I'll tell you a quick story. Um, When I was interviewing her, we were sitting on the sofa and I had the young baby patting him on my shoulder. He was gurgling away. And I asked her a bunch of questions and she asked me a few. And then I said, do you have any other questions for me? And she said, yes. May I hold the baby? (laughs) So Mrs. Joanne Powell (laughs) came to live with us, and she lived with us for 25 years. I mean, that's real help, you know. 
the job morphed from babysitting to get, getting them to school to, you know, a variety of things that she was just incredibly wonderful. We still keep up with her. And, you know, she's a lovely, lovely, wonderful woman. That was, yeah, that was chemistry because that person became family. And boy, finding that, that was golden. That was golden. Absolutely. But boy, we so fortunate. And I love how you said to your husband, no, we're going to do this. Right, right, right. <laughs> because somehow, even in his mind, you know, I was the mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had this picture of moms do this, men go out in the world and do this. Even though we were both astronauts and we both were doing the same things and frequently had to do it at the same time. And it was frequently, well, you find a babysitter. No, you find a babysitter. <laughs> Joanne solved our problem. <laughs> so so now people know that you married a fellow astronaut from that class that you entered into in 1978 at NASA. Um, and you produced, the two of you, you and Captain Robert Hoot Gibson, produced the world's first astro-tots, which is actually an official NASA term. I don't know how official it is, but people understand that an astrotot is a is a child born to two astronauts. It's kind of an exclusive club. Were your children um, grown enough by the time you left NASA, or what what phase of life were your three children? I know you have four. She the oldest is out of the house by this point. You have three still at home. Where, what ages were they, or what was it like for you going, shifting from uh, astronaut to business partner and, and the children? Where were they? What was that like? Uh, how did you? Well, when we moved back from NASA to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where we live now, I had um, one child who was, uh, I believe, an eighth grader one child that was a second grader and a two-year-old at home. Oh, gee. So we had, we had this wide range of people. It was a challenge to me. You know, when I moved back home, I had grown up in Murfreesboro, tiny, tiny Tennessee town that it was, but it was very different. And I, there were not very many people that I remembered or knew, um, but I knew enough people to pull enough strings to get my kids in the, the right, the, the two boys into the right schools at the time. Um, but um, it was challenging because I had moved back to my hometown and, you know, wanted to be involved. And, and yet, um, you know, there, I was doing all this traveling. My husband was flying for Southwest Airlines. He was doing all this traveling. It was a bit of a crazy time, but we had Joanne and she just, trooped along with us and we got it all done. Appreciated her. And mm. she always told us that she loved and appreciated us. Mm. Well, you don't have Ms. Joanne Powell anymore. Uh, you're pretty much on your own, but you are, you're very disciplined and uh, you have a routine and you take extremely good care of yourself. And I know you're committed to self-care and working out and more. How how do you work everything into your schedule? Because now you're a speaker and an author and you have interviews and you have negotiations that reach even into the media worlds now that go higher and higher at different levels. How do you how do you keep self-care and your life balanced when all that crazy is going on? Stephanie, I think, you know, it's almost like um, 
when I went went to medical school, I thought, you know, this is going to be good for me because it will teach me how to be healthy. Of course, I'll share that with others. But, you know, I've always felt like there were needed to be certain priorities in my life. Uh, I needed to eat right. I needed to exercise. Uh, exercise is so good for the brain. Um, I have to exercise my brain. Um, and, you know, you put those priorities together. And, you know, for me, people said, how did you manage to, to do a lot of that and take care of kids? And quite frankly, I just didn't sleep as much as I was. I, you know, get up at five in the morning and go to the gym before the kids were awake. So I think it's my sleep suffered a bit, but when you have to cut out something, that was the kind of the lowest priority uh, in the in the midst of everything. So, yeah, there's a, a discipline to my life. And, um, you know, sometimes that discipline gets a little uh, out of whack um, in today's world. Um, but trying to figure out a way to do things that you really feel like you must do. Well, you definitely do because, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you and you'll say, well, I have to go to the gym. I'll talk to you after that, or, you know, I'm going to be here or there. And it's just uh, wonderful to see you have never let yourself go. And, and I think it's very easy to do that. And I think as we age, it's even easier to let things go. And you just have not, you have really kept a standard and you have really continued to work at that standard. Well, I think if you take good care of yourself, uh, you're much better uh, dealing with other people, dealing with stress, dealing with other things. Um, If you just say, you know, I need to be healthy. I need to be well. I need to be smart. I need to know what's going on. Um, I have to have wonderful people in my life like you and my husband and um, a lot of other things like that. But, you know, as as I said, I know how to keep myself healthy and I know the results if you don't. You know, if you let things slide, then, you know, things start to tumble downhill. So, um, yes, I I try to, to do the best I can. And I think you also approach it as a as a, a medical doctor, uh, you know, you see yourself through that lens. But also, I think people might find it interested that as astronauts, you have to return back to Houston once a year for a medical. <laughs> we do. Uh, NASA keeps track of um, old astronauts uh, <laughs> to make sure <laughs> to make sure there are not any long term effects of flying in space. And and um, there haven't been many things of concern. Uh, when women first started going up to the space station for for longer periods of time, there was a, a, a question of bone loss. Um, women are not supposed to get as much radiation as men. So they were watching that very carefully, but there haven't seemed to be too many untoward effects. But NASA invites us back every year and gives us a very good um, executive physical exam, draws all kinds of blood work. Um, you know, and, and as a physician, you know, if, if I read something in the news that this is a good test for this, I can suggest it to the flight surgeon and they're very good about saying, oh, sure, we can draw that that level on you. No, no problem. So um, I'm very grateful to NASA for uh, making sure that uh, we are all healthy and checking up on us and, um, you know, letting us know maybe what else we should be doing. You know, did you get your vaccine? Uh, your flu vaccine? Did you get your <laughs> shingles vaccine? Did you get your tetanus shot? 
and all those reminders that uh, good physicians uh, should do, and certainly the ones at NASA do, and they want to make sure that we live long and healthy lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, um, even though you're science minded, I think you have a really good balance of science, uh, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. You okay. seem, you seem to have a, a good balance. Uh, one story in particular that strikes me that you shared with me years ago, and it has always stayed with me. You were in the midst of the business crazy. You were flying all over with that business partnership situation. It's a rainy night. You're driving home from the airport and you suddenly have this quiet moment. Tell tell me a little bit about that. Well, Stephanie, yeah, uh, uh, it, it had been a long trip, pouring down rain in the dark of night. I'm driving home from the airport in Nashville, thirty miles from my home, and I'm thinking I could I could very well just die tonight. All these cars are skittering around. I can't see what I'm doing. It's pouring down rain, and I remembered. Um, part of, I think it's part of a hymnal um, from from church at some point. And it went, when I wake with the blessed in the mansions of rest, will there be any stars in my crown? And it occurred to me, okay, so if I depart tonight, um, what will my legacy be? And I realized that I had done lots and lots of things that I was proud of. But one of the things that I had not really done because I hadn't really had time was to help others. And um, I was fortunate that there was a charity group here in my hometown that my grandmother had helped found in 1910. And they welcomed me with open arms so that now I can add, you know, that, the, that I help the needy in many different ways. We raise money. We take care of lots and lots of people around here, very local. Um, but, you know, I hope there will be some more stars in my crown for doing so. You really, really threw yourself into not only giving back, but developing community. <clears throat> you threw yourself into that community that had a noble purpose. And so, whereas before things had been career trajectory, this was more private, personal investment. Yeah, very fulfilling. That is, uh, it's been fun to watch you in that group and watch you bloom with the relationships you've had with those crazy girls. You call them the wild cherries. Well, that's a small group of, you know, eight of us. And uh, I was invited to join that group. And, you know, I'd never had a, a gang of girlfriends that would go do fun stuff. And uh, it was delightful to be invited to join that group. We have done trips together. We've gone on cruises together. Um, sometimes I'm a little embarrassed about how, how loud they get because they're having such a good time. Um, but it's been wonderful to me um, to have a, a close-knit group of girlfriends. I had never really had that before. I had women friends, you know, go play cards with them or go, you know, do something. But but never to the extent that that uh, the wild cherries are part of my life now. We're planning a trip to uh, Florida. Only <laughs> the Gulf Coast isn't in good shape, so we may have to postpone it or go someplace different. But there are things going on all the time. We usually do something once a month, um, and so I'm very blessed to have them in my life because they help steer me in ways that you know I wouldn't have thought to go. Well, in this uh, fun group of girlfriends that you have now, 
uh, you all found yourself on a wall in historic downtown town square. We did. Um, <laughs> our town uh, arts commission decided that, you know, a lot of the big cities had been doing murals <clears throat> on, on blank walls and that we needed a mural. So we found a wonderful artist and a, you know, a business that had a parking lot and the building had a large stretch of blank wall. And so the business owner said, oh, sure, you can paint a mural on the wall. So the artist painted all of the things that my town's famous for, the university and the, and the antebellum um, courthouse and all kinds of wonderful things. Well, down in the corner, there's a picture of a car with eight women in it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're there and a friend of ours did a little poem that goes with it. So, so we're kind of famous. The car has the, a W and a C on the front for wild cherries, but we don't admit that that's who we are, but it's there. And it's, it's a wonderful reminder of our friendship and our town. So if people find themselves in historic downtown Murfreesboro and see a car with a bunch of happy blondes, <laughs> they'll know it's you. <laughs> Well, if there was something that you could give to our listeners, words of wisdom, pearls of wisdom, advice, anything that from all of your experiences, looking back, if there was some tip that you could give them that would perhaps make their business, their home, or their life better, what would that be? Well, I think in all of those settings, Stephanie, you have to uh, focus on others. Sometimes, you know, you have a selfish self and you, you want to do your own thing and do this at a certain time or whatever. But I think you have to focus on others. And, of course, having children teaches you that. Uh, having a husband teaches you that. Um, coming in and trying to train people teaches you that. It's not about me. It's about them. And I think you have to do that. But in the midst of that, I think that you have to save time for yourself. Um, you have to keep yourself healthy. You're no good to anybody else if you're sick. So I think you have to save that time for yourself and, and um, just be aware of the fact that you deserve that and you need that. Um, so it's that dichotomy in life and, and building a balance around those two things. But um, I think those are things that I try to remember in my life. Hmm, well stated. And uh, so I can now say the doctor has ordered. <laughs> the doctor is in the house and has told you what you need. That's right. That's Prescription right. is on the table. Well, I want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. It is it is my pleasure to be able to share a side with you that the world doesn't get a chance to see very often. So thank you for being willing to do that. Ah, oh, Stephanie, it's been wonderful to be with you. I always enjoy being with you. You've taught me so much. You've led me along the way. And, um, you know, we always have fun together. Yeah, feelings mutual. I've learned much from you. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Well, isn't she something? Thank you for being here for part two of our three-part interview with astronaut and Dr. Ray Seddon. Can't wait for you to hear our third and final segment in the interview with her next week, when she'll talk about what it was like to write her memoir and why she did it. And that, my friends, is what's been brewing in my brain this week. Can't wait to hear what's been brewing in yours. 
I'm Stephanie Huffman, wishing you not only a fantastic week, but that you'll find a better blend.